What is going on, guys? Welcome to the Fantasy Roundtable Podcast with your host, Matthew Bruni. You can hit me up at SportsFanaticMB on Twitter. Alright, what is going on guys? It is Monday, September 24th. Hopefully you guys had yourselves a great fantasy and NFL Sunday. I did not fuck fantasy. I am tired of playing it. I mean, I just had a shit weekend. I'm looking at going probably 5-15 and 15 this week. I guess that's what happens when you trust motherfucking Kirk Cousins because he just fucked me hard this week. Hit the lights. It's boring. All joking aside, though, it was a great game, a great weekend, really. We had a lot of great games, and I'm looking forward to breaking those down here with you guys here right after we get through the breaking news of today. So this kind of came out late uh, yesterday, right before kind of all the games started with the... Um, Sorry about that, had something flash across my phone. Uh, the Le'Veon Bell trade news obviously came out right before games kind of started yesterday. Uh, I'm really not sure what to make of this. I don't really think that they'll trade Le'Veon Bell. If they do, I don't see what they'll be able to get back for him. Uh, because in real realistically, it's a lot like an NBA trade. Uh, if they trade him... There's no way that they can actually work out a long-term deal with Bell ahead of time. So any team that trades for him is going to have to hope that they can re-sign him in the offseason. If not, you just gave up whatever you gave up to get him for one year. So realistically, I think it's got to be a team that thinks they can contend this year to make it to the playoffs and a Super Bowl team. And then, I, I like I said, I just don't know what they'd give up. I, I know a lot of talk uh, that I've heard earlier this morning was that some teams might be willing to give up a third or maybe a fourth and then something just due to the fact that if the uh, Steelers don't retain Bell in the offseason, which looks highly unlikely, obviously, at the moment, uh, they'll get that compensatory pick, which is right after the third round. So you're realistically looking at they're going to give him up. They would want at least some value back close to that. So you're looking at third round. I'm sure if a team offers a second, they'd take it. But then again, I think you have to be in contention. I know there was a lot of talk about possibly them doing, uh, making the trade to the Browns or to the Jets. I personally don't see why that makes any sense. Uh, though I do think the Browns have a chance to make the playoffs this year. I don't know why you would do that because you're not going to pay Le'Veon Bell. Or at least I don't think they would. And then the Jets, I don't see them making the playoffs at all. So it doesn't make any sense to me to add Le'Veon Bell and give up a second or a third or even a fourth and then some. Uh, just to get Bell in for a season and then watch him leave in free agency. Though the the Jets do have some cap room, so maybe that's their plan is to get him in and, uh, you know, convince him to stay a la, you know, Paul George and Oklahoma City Thunder, if you want to use a basketball reference. Uh, other than that, I mean, there's a lot of talk about Indy. I think it's the same thing with Indy. They're just, I don't think they're ready to compete this year, though. I think the AFC South is kind of wide open after the uh, the Jaguars, but they realistically be competing for a wild card spot. So the Colts don't make much sense to me either. The, the two that make the most sense that I've seen, of, of or really the one, is the Buccaneers. Uh, they've obviously got off to the hot start behind Ryan Fitzmagic. If they get him in there, he's clearly better than Peyton Barber and obviously clearly better than Rojo, who's not even uh, a, 
not even playing most weeks. He's, uh, you know, a healthy and active for the team. So if they could figure something out, I mean, that would just make that offense even more dangerous. Uh, so definitely something to watch for, but I don't really know how much validity that has to it. It may just be something where they're looking at it as, you know what, we're ready to just move on past this guy. Let's give up, you know, let's give him up for whatever we can get back and be done with him, especially with that as good as James Conner has looked. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo's MRIs came back today. He does have a torn ACL. Uh, everybody was already kind of assuming that's what it was. Kyle Shanahan, their head coach, had already come out and said that that's what they had feared. Uh, so not a big surprise there. Does suck for the 49ers and realistically that entire offense. Uh, you know, C.J. Beathard is is an okay uh, quarterback. Uh, I'm not. I just think that down it downgrades everybody in that offense. All the wide receivers, George Kittle. You know, they don't really have much of a running game, at least in my opinion. Matt Breed has been good, but not great. So that does suck, though, for the 49ers and their possible playoff chances now with Garoppolo gone. And then the Arizona Cardinals have officially named Josh Rosen their starting quarterback. Uh, you know, I'm I'm torn on this. I thought Rosen actually came in and looked decent. Uh, I thought it was a lot to put on a rookie to bring him in down two points. Or was it down? Yeah, down two points. With like a little over two minutes, or it was four minutes on the clock, and ask him to just kind of drive down and, and score and win them the game, especially with as bad as the team has kind of looked so far this season. You know, they're going up against the Seattle Seahawks defense this week. That while it's not the Seattle Seahawks defense of old, it's still a very good defense. So he, in my opinion, was always the most pro ready quarterback out of all these guys. So I guess we'll get to finally see how good he's going to be, but I am a little worried about that just because of, of the offense that they have. I mean, their offensive line is just beat to crap. They don't have anybody. And while while he obviously has David Johnson in the backfield, who's one of the best running backs in the in the league, and Larry the Legend Fitzgerald, that wide receiver, you know, Fitz has been dealing with injuries and not just hasn't looked the same so far this year. Now maybe that is some of the fact that they have the offensive playing calling there has just been weird to say the least, especially with Fitzgerald only getting, I believe it's like fifty percent of the snaps. It's just I don't even know what to say about this offense or this team in general at the moment. But I do, I do understand them throwing Rosen out there just because he's at least projected, or they would I would assume they want him to be the face of their franchise, drafting him in the first round this year. So just get him out there and, and see what he can do, see if he can lead the this team to some wins, which they desperately need. All right, so let's go ahead and jump into the games that happened yesterday, fantasy wise. I'm just going to kind of touch on on more of the fantasy stuff here. I feel like I've been kind of given too much of the NFL breakdowns on some of these games. So we're going to start with the Cincinnati Bengals losing to the Carolina Panthers 21-31. to uh, For the Bengals side of things here, you know, Andy Dalton had himself a decent game here, although the four interceptions uh, did not help at all. Gio Bernard performed fairly well in place of Joe Mixon. You know, 61 yards on the ground, had a touchdown. Uh, realistically, though, here, the the big guy who kind of broke out, Tyler Boyd, had six receptions, 132 yards, and a touchdown. And uh, why I, I want to bring up Tyler Boyd is it seems like we, we kind of got spoiled a couple years ago with that draft class that had Odell, Sammy Watkins, Mike Evans in it because all those guys came out and they produced right away. And we've expected that out of our wide receivers since then, and not one wide receiver has returned, at least in my opinion, any value of a first-round pick after that except for Will Fuller. I think Will Fuller is the only wide receiver 
who, at least in rookie drafts, probably was drafted in the first round, may even have been a second-round pick in some rookie drafts, that returned any kind of value with the play that he's put on the field. Everybody else after that, you know, Amari Cooper, in my opinion, has not returned his first-round value. His chances are he was drafted in every first-round rookie draft. You know, Kenny Galladay, I think he's getting there. He's he's had a couple good games. I think this is his breakout year, and that's going to be my point with Tyler Boyd is that I think it's his breakout year this year. It takes wide receivers, realistically, unless they're the elite of the elite, like Odell, Evans, although I don't think Watkins is the lead of the lead, but I do think he's a very good wide receiver. It takes them three or four years to really get into the NFL game. The college game has changed so much. It is not at all what it used to be, and a lot of these players are not prepared for the NFL game when they come in to the NFL like they were back in the in the past. So Tyler Boyd, this is his second week in a row with another huge game. You know, Last week had the 91 yards and a touchdown as well. I really think that he's about to, well, not about to break out. He already did, obviously, last week. But I think he's definitely going to be the number two here in Cincinnati's offense going forward. I think John Ross is just going to kind of be the deep threat guy. Tyler Boyd is going to be one of those guys in the short intermediate areas. Definitely a very underrated slot wide receiver that I think can get things done, especially with Dalton and especially while Eifert's still struggling. Although Eifert did have a better game this week. Compared to what he's done lately, I think you know Boyd's the guy here. Uh, for AJ Green, he had himself a decent day here. Did get the injury though to the uh, groin, and I didn't mean for that to sound like a question. Uh, but he still, you know, got fifty eight ca- fifty eight yards on f- five catches. It'd have been awesome if he had fifty eight catches. He really would have come through on fantasy. Uh, you know, they haven't said if it's too serious or not. I don't believe that it is. He's likely going to play Week Four. And they just kind of held him out there just to be on the safe side uh, for the Panthers side of things. So Cam Newton had himself a decent day, uh, mostly because of the two touchdowns, uh, both rushing. uh, Or not both rushing. He had two rushing touchdowns and two passing touchdowns. So he came through big time. But much like we talked about last week on why it was kind of hard to rank Cam Newton is because, yet again, only threw for 150 yards. And this is what Cam Newton really is. He has himself those huge games where he's got to throw his team to keep them in it or get them back into a game. He'll throw for his 300 yards, you know, rush for whatever, probably get a rushing touchdown. But then he also has these games, it seems, more often than not, where he's just throwing for 150 yards. Now, again, it worked out for him because he got the two touchdowns and the two rushing touchdowns. But realistically, if you were a McCaffrey owner, McCaffrey had by far his best game rushing the ball, and I believe it was a career day for him. 28 carries for 184 yards. Add on just, unfortunately, 10 yards uh, on two catches in the receiving game, but still 184 yards, almost put up 200-plus, yet he couldn't get into the end zone because of Cam Newton. That, I know, frustrates the shit out of me as someone who owns McCaffrey in quite a few leagues. Uh, there was both or one of the rushing times I know the ball was in uh, McCaffrey's arms right near the goal line. He pulled it out and ran the opposite way when there was clearly nobody collapsing in on McCaffrey either. you know. But that's just the way that it's going to be for McCaffrey. Uh, Cam Newton, for whatever reason, loves to run in and score when he's down in the red zone. So he's going to be vultured by Cam Newton more often than Jonathan Stewart. Or Jonathan Stewart, sorry, he's not there anymore. C.J. Anderson, who did get the uh, 24-yard touchdown catch when... Uh, uh, he dumped it off to him almost on like a screen pass Cam Newton did. And 
again, as a CG, as a Christian McCaffrey owner, that really kind of pissed me off too because I was like, of course, there's, there's just a missing out on more points that should have gone to Christian McCaffrey. Otherwise, in the receiving game, I mean, Devin Funches had, you know, himself a, a, an okay game. Just the four catches for 67 yards and a touchdown, but did lead this back or lead this wide receiver core. They really just don't have anybody else. You know, again, DJ Moore, for whatever reason, they're just not getting him involved. Um, just a one reception on three yard or three yards. Uh, it's just, you know, disappointing for a guy who looked so explosive at the combine and in college last year to just not be utilized, at least in my opinion, correctly. Uh, Ian Thomas was targeted a couple times here, just 20, 20 yards on three catches. You know, once Greg Olson comes back, which could be as early as next week, though I would think it's probably more likely week five or six, uh, but definitely someone to look out for. He may be on your guys' waiver wires. You know, Cam Newton loves to target him. I mean, just targeted Ian Thomas there three times, but he's realistically not Greg Olson. All right, so then after that, we've got the New York Giants beating the Houston Texans 27-20. So on the Giants side of things, Eli Manning here actually looked decent uh, through for about 200, almost 300 yards, 297 in the two touchdowns. Uh, still missed a couple throws look, uh, with a little bit of the happy feet thing going on like we had talked about last week where it seems like he's trying to get rid of the ball because he sees or expects the rush to come even if it's not there. I know there was one play in particular, I believe it was in the third quarter, he missed Odell. Uh, and if he'd have just waited a couple more seconds, Odell had the guy beat and he could have laid it on him. Uh, over to the left-hand side by the end zone, and he just he threw the ball too early. The defenders were nowhere near him. I get it, though. You know, when you've been sacked as much as he has the past couple of years, you kind of get that clock going in your head a little bit faster than usual, and you're trying to make that player just get rid of it because you don't want to take the sack, especially down in the red zone. Possibly get yourself knocked out of field goal territory. Uh, Saquon Barkley finally had a good game on the ground. Again, I know he's... Looked decent, obviously, in week one, but most of that came on that huge 68-yard run against the Jaguars this week. 17 carries for 82 yards, got his, uh, got a touchdown for the Giants, and then I averaged about 4.8 yards a carry. You know, this is exactly what, if you were a Barkley owner, you were hoping for out of him. He looks like he's finally starting to turn it around. Hopefully they can get this offensive line improved some because I think that's the biggest issue with this team altogether. Uh, Odell again... Just, I mean, just like week one, just coming through. Nine catches on a with 109 yards. Sterling Shepard, six catches for 80. Huge, a uh, couple of huge first downs for him and uh, a touchdown for Sterling Shepard as well. Odell, though, has yet to score this year, which is a little surprising to me. I think a lot of it is just the fact that he is getting double covered a lot. Uh, and they're usually putting a guy over top of him, so he's not really being able to make that huge play to beat guys and get down into the end zone, and I don't think he's really being looked at in the red zone much. So hopefully that'll change for Odell and his owners getting him a touchdown. And then, of course, Evan Ingram here, uh, MCL sprain. Uh, from everything I've seen, they're calling him day-to-day. I would not expect him to play this week. Uh, I know that uh, a lot of people are comparing it to Rodgers' injury. It's a little bit different. Uh, Rodgers doesn't have to quite run and cut and jump and move as much as Evan Ingram does being at the tight end position. Also having guys rush and him trying to block them as well with that MCL sprain. So I would imagine Ingram's probably going to sit for a couple weeks, but once they kind of release more information on that, we'll, we'll, we'll let you guys know. 
Uh, on the Texans side of things here, so Deshaun Watson had 385 yards, the two touchdowns, and a pick. Uh, Watson still, he's looking better. He's getting better every week. Uh, I know a lot of people are kind of down on him, saying that he's never going to be what he was last year in his first five games, and it's, they're probably right. There was a very small sample size, and a lot of us, you know, including myself, bought into him, uh, but he does seem to finally be getting back to that player. You know, we have to remember that he did tear his ACL. While he did do it before in college and came back and won a national championship, it's a little bit different to do that in college and come back and, and play in the NFL. So we just, is someone to, you know, just let's watch him. Let's calm down. Everybody needs to stop writing this narrative that he's a bust. This is only his second year in the NFL. Let's give the kid some time. But I thought he looked really good in this game, even though uh, they lost. Uh, Lamar Miller here, 10 carries on and 10 yards. I mean, he he just sucks. Oh, good <laughs> That right there is my opinion of Lamar Miller, which I know is not very high. Uh, he did get a receiving touchdown, though. Uh, did get five catches for 41 yards, so I guess good for him. He's still uh, running back to, you know, whatever. I, I don't own him anywhere. I probably will never own him anywhere because I just think he, he's vastly overrated. Uh, in the receiving game, I mean, Will Fuller comes through again. I don't know what it is with this guy and Deshaun Watson, but these two just have some kind of connection they're, they're best friends. Okay, name your favorite dinosaur. Velociraptor. All right. If you were a chick, who's the one guy you would sleep with? John, John Samos. Samos. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. As long as Watson is in the lineup, it just seems like Will Fuller is going to produce every day. At this point, if you've got him, you've got to start him at least in your flex spot. I think he's going to be a wide receiver, too, going through the year. Again, 101 yards and a touchdown on just five catches. The connection between these two guys, no joke, is is legitimate. And then, of course, my guy, D-Hop, 86 yards, still no touchdown, but, you know, still he's still doing good, still ingrained in this offense. Six targets, they get the most, or ten, uh, six receptions on ten targets. Actually, Will Fuller, for the first time in a long time, got more targets than DeAndre Hopkins with 11, though. I'm not worried about that at all for D-Hop. He's still the the focal point of this offense, but Will Fuller, in my opinion, just he's just more dynamic. Dynamic, He's more dangerous. Uh, you know, he's got the speed to burn people and get by everybody down the field, where Hopkins, I think, is more a possession receiver. So we'll see what happens with uh, those two going forward. Obviously, Hopkins still the one, but like I said, if you've got Fuller, he's just he has to be an instant start every week, put up over 20 points fantasy-wise this week. Uh, and just the connection, like I said, with, with Watson is just in, in, incredible. All right, next up we've got the Fantasy Frenzy Fest or Points Fest. Uh, the New Orleans Saints in overtime beating the Atlanta Falcons 43-37. to And I mean just... Holy shit. For the Saints side of things here, I mean, Drew Brees, congratulations to him, broke the most uh, completions record by Brett Favre with 6,301, I believe is what it is. With a 17-yard pass to Michael Thomas, uh, who, again, I mean, words can't. There's not words to describe how good this this dude is and how he's been all year. As I've said multiple times, I think he's going to be the wide receiver one uh, for fantasy going forward and possibly the next couple years. I don't see who's going to be better than him. You know, he, right now you would have guys like Odell. Uh, Hopkins, Evans, uh, Brown all being drafted over him. I would take Michael Thomas in a heartbeat over all these guys. But again, congratulations to Drew Brees on breaking that record. 396 yards 
uh, passing in this game, three touchdowns and a and two touchdowns on the ground, including a sick spin move where he hit that circle button right at the right time and avoided two defenders to run it in. I mean, just a ridiculous day for Breeze. Likely, if you were going up against Breeze or Matt Ryan, you lost this week. Uh, Alvin Kamara, again, did did good on the ground with 66 rushing yards, but did even more in the passing game. 15 receptions for 124. I mean, can this guy just go away? Seriously, like, what the hell? How is it that... This dude is so good, and yet no one knew about it. I mean, this guy was a backup at Tennessee, and he's turned into this in all seriousness. Just good for him. I'm happy for him. Uh, Just wish I had him on more of my teams because he is just legit. And then, of course, Michael Thomas, yet again, 10 receptions, 129 yards. Again, he was targeted. Just just get, get this real quick, guys. Michael Thomas was targeted 10 times. He caught the ball every fucking time. This guy is just good. I cannot rap Sonic about this guy enough. This guy is just fucking legit. I love him. I wish, you know, in all honesty, as big as a Buckeye fan that I was, I didn't expect this guy to be this good. I knew he was a good wide receiver. Maybe it's because he was playing with quarterbacks like Braxton Miller and JT Barrett that it was hard to see. Obviously, Drew Brees, a, a Hall of Famer, one of the best quarterbacks to ever play. But my God, this kid... Just looks amazing. Uh, other than him, though, nobody else really did much here in the passing game. I mean, Ben Watson, the, the tight end, 71 yards. Uh, Cam Meredith did get a touchdown. That was good to see. Just had the one target, one reception for the touchdown. Hopefully he's able to kind of get more ingrained in this offense as the season goes along because a lot of people had very high hopes for him, obviously, especially with as good as he looked before the injury a couple years ago. Uh, on the Falcons side here, again, Matt Ryan, 374 yards, five touchdowns, put up like a 40-burger a in fantasy. I was playing him in a couple leagues this week, and, I mean, if, if you had him and you were playing against me, literally these are my feelings for you. I hope you flip your bike over and knock your two front teeth out, you selfish son of a bitch. But not, and uh, obviously the five touchdowns too, if I did not mention that. Obviously... Just a, a great game for Matt Ryan. And someone who's been extremely underrated all year. He was in the back half of quarterbacks take being drafted and taken this past year's draft, probably due to the bad year he had last year. But, you know, if you listen to us, if you watch, paid attention to us on the FLA app and everything we talked about, we brought up the fact, and myself included, that that first year in Kyle Shanahan's offense, it was very similar to what he did last year with Steve Sarkeesian. And it was that second year he took a real leap forward. Uh, looks like he's doing it again. I mean, if you have Matt Ryan, kudos to you because likely you got him in the double-digit rounds. Uh, and he's looks like he's going to be good most of, if not all, season long. Uh, Tevin Coleman here again. Just... In my opinion, extremely disappointing. I really thought, uh, I called in my bold predictions on Friday that he would go over 100 yards again. Uh, Only had the 33 uh, yards on the 15 carries. Did add 14 yards in the receiving game and the touchdown. But just altogether, just didn't look good. Uh, Ito Smith, uh, I liked a little bit here. Add 41 yards receiving out of the backfield. Again, he's a guy that if you have Devonta Freeman and and you're in a dynasty league, get Ito Smith if you can. Uh, because I do think Edo Smith is going to be the backup or the new Tevin Coleman once Tevin Coleman moves on in the offseason. And I think, though, if you look at his box score, it didn't look good. He looks really good in this game, and I expect him to continue looking good going forward. Uh, Julio Jones here, 
96 yards on five catches, but the real star and someone that I said I thought would become the number two probably by the midpoint this year, he's already, in my opinion, taken over Muhammad Sanu, Calvin Ridley. Eight, seven receptions on eight targets for 146 yards and three touchdowns. He had himself a game here, guys. I mean, he just balled out. Chances are nobody was even playing him, which sucks for us fantasy owners, especially knowing that he's probably sitting on your bench and putting up just ridiculous amounts of points. You know, likely, depending on your league scoring, over 40 points. I know mine, he put up 40.5. Just ridiculous. And as I said in the preseason, I thought he would take over Mohamed Sanu as at number two. I think with this game right here, he solidified that. I think he's clearly the number two here. I do think he works better in the slot, so I hope that they keep him there. Don't move him outside. Leave Sanu outside with Julio Jones. But just to kind of give you guys uh, an idea of, of Julio Jones's touchdown drought and I don't mean to do this to Julio owners because if you have them you know and it hurts I'm sure whenever you hear this but Calvin Ridley with his three touchdowns in this game Sunday matched or that's as many touchdowns as Julio Jones has had in his past 19 games for whatever reason he is allergic to the red zone he just can't get in there doesn't get targeted it's it's ridiculous I feel bad for the guy because uh, he is definitely one of the most elite wide receivers in the game. The fact that he gets no red zone lo- love, I just don't understand whatsoever. Uh, but other than those guys, not really much else for, for the Falcons. Austin Hooper here, uh, for me, was a little bit of Austin Pooper. He he disappointed big time, in my opinion, in this game. Uh, but I'm starting to think that that's just kind of what Austin Hooper is. He's just going to have those great games where he scores you touchdown, puts up points, and he's just going to have the stinkers that he dropped on us yesterday, probably more often than the good ones. Uh, the next game, in a, in a surprising finish, the Green Bay Packers losing... To the Washington Redskins, seventeen to thirty-one. Uh, I honestly did not see this coming. I know a lot of people who got knocked out in survivor pool games to pick this because the Redskins were multiple, you know, just underdogs big time. I think it was like an eight-point underdog came back, won it. Just a just a great game by Alex Smith and these guys, but a weird game. Uh, so for the Packers side of things here, Aaron Rodgers two, put up two sixty-five with two touchdowns. You know, not a bad game for him. That knee, though, you can just tell uh, is still bothering him. If you watch that game, there was a, I think it was a run in the fourth quarter, early fourth quarter. He was rushing, running to get away from the rush, and you could just see how bad he was limping. I mean, it hurt my knees, and and I probably have not done any kind of running like that in weeks. And my knees started, you know, creaking and hurting a little bit just due to to what he looked like running that ball. Uh, Aaron Jones came back here. Uh, just six rushes for 42 yards, but seven yards a carry. And this goes back to exactly what I've been saying all offseason and leading up until this point. I remember, I'm sure I even mentioned on Friday's podcast, he's by far the best running back they have in this backfield. And it's not even close. Jamal Williams is a jag. Ty Montgomery, I think, is a great, versatile weapon. I just don't think he's that good of a running back. He's a much better wide receiver. He could be, obviously, a good uh, receiving threat out of the backfield because he's a converted wide receiver Uh, Jamal Williams is a good uh, he can catch the ball as well out of the backfield but he's just not anywhere near the talented runner 
that Aaron Jones is. I do expect Aaron Jones to take over this backfield job by no later than week five. If they prolong it any more than that, they're just hurting themselves because they need someone who can take pressure off Rodgers, and I think that that's Aaron Jones. Uh, Receiving-wise here, I mean, Geronimo Allison had the one big play, 64-yard touchdown. Uh, Other than that, just one other catch, you know, for 12 yards, I believe is what it was. Yeah, 12 yards. So he finished with 76 yards and a touchdown. Not that impressive. Of course, Devontae Adams, 52 yards and a touchdown. While it doesn't look great on the box score, you know, likely only 11 points, still nine targets, by far the most besides Randall Cobb. But Randall Cobb working in the slot, especially with Rodgers not being able to move around, uh, I think is is going to be the, the, the usual going forward, at least until Rodgers can somewhat move around. Because I think that's where... Devontae Adams and his connection comes in so great. They they feed off each other so well, especially when plays break down. In the past, when Rodgers was able to get outside of the pocket and look down the field, Adam, they just had that connection. Uh, much like Will Fuller and Deshaun Watson seem to have, Adams and Rodgers have that. Adams just knows where to go to get the ball and help his quarterback out. But Rodgers can't roll out of the pocket, so he's just going to dump it. And that's why Randall Cobb got so many looks, but only on the 11 targets, just four catches and 23 yards. So, you know, it's Devontae Adams all day long for me on Green Bay. Really nobody else. I mean, if you're in a deep league, I can see starting Geronimo Allison just because he has that big play upside like he did this week, although realistically that was kind of a breakdown in coverage. If you watch the play, you can see that the safety just wasn't even paying attention or and covering the, the left side of the field, and Geronimo Allison just ran right down the middle wide open, and Aaron Rodgers was able to hit him with a dime. Uh, on the Redskins side here, so... You know, Alex Smith just being typical old Alex Smith, 220 yards and two touchdowns. You know, not not looking overly great, but just checking the ball down and, and doing just enough to win like he always does. Uh, Adrian Peterson obviously was the, the big game here. 19 carries, 120 yards, and two touchdowns. I still am not a believer in Peterson. Uh, I just don't think he's going to hold up all year. I believe I said earlier, I think by week five or six, he's going to start slowing down. I still believe that. I could be wrong, and in all honesty, I'm okay dying on that hill on being wrong on him because I just don't trust him. I don't trust that he's going to be able to do this all year long, and I'd much rather sell on him now or sell him now while his value is high than trust him all year. I'd rather be proven wrong doing that than riding him all year but hey if if you think he's going to be good all year and you want to get the the most out of him and keep him and, and play him by all means do it you know hopefully it works out for you I just don't see it uh Jamison Crowder here had a touchdown uh which was nice to see uh, just because he's been kind of underutilized at least in my opinion not much yardage wise though just the 39 yards Paul Richardson literally had one catch for 46 yards and a touchdown, which was, you know, if you're a Paul Richardson fan, good to see. But other than that, I think that's kind of what you're going to get from him all season long. He's going to have one game every three or four weeks with a touchdown. Other than that, I don't think he's going to do much. Jordan Reed, you know, four catches on 65 yards, okay. But Chris Thompson, I mean, what the fuck, really? Six carries for 17 yards and then one catch for zero? Like, what the hell? This dude's been a stud the past two weeks, and then it was like he was just completely phased out of this game plan this week. You know, I think 
part of it for me, and maybe it was wrong for me to try and predict this game flow here, but I really thought that the Packers would get up on the Redskins fairly easily because I don't think the Redskins' defense is that good, and that would require them to be passing more, and that would put Thompson out on the field more. I think that both Thompson and Peterson are very game flow dependent. If the Redskins are up, they're going to feed Peterson the ball like nobody else. And then obviously once the Redskins are down, I think that's when it becomes kind of Thompson's game, and they're going to throw him the ball more often and get him kind of carries and everything because he can get into that the hurry-up offense and get going. Uh, so uh, just disappointing there. But on, in all honesty, if you started Thompson, it was more than likely the right call unless, you know, you started him over like a – David Johnson or Zeke, which I doubt anybody realistically did. Uh, so I know it sucks. Again, myself included, uh, I had Chris Thompson going in a couple leagues, and he really just kind of shit the bed for me as well. But realistically, when you go back and look at it, hindsight's twenty twenty and all. I know you can probably look, and there might be someone on your bench who outscored him more with him being in your flex. But it was the right call at the time. It really looked like this was going to be that kind of game. Uh, for him to do good things, and it just didn't happen. And that, thus is fantasy, which my complaints about not playing anymore at the beginning of this podcast. Uh, in the next game, uh, we got to see Indianapolis lose to the new Carson Wentz Eagles 16-20. to So on the Colts side of things here, Andrew Luck again, just 164 and a touchdown. I just... Man, I don't, I don't know what's going on with him. I, I have to. Obviously, he's not fully healthy. For anybody who watched the end of this game, they brought Jacoby Brissett in uh, to throw the hell Mary pass. I'm assuming because Luck just couldn't do it. Uh, he did come out after the game and say, "No, it's just Brissett's always had a stronger arm than me and everything," which may be true. There's no real way for us to know that now. Obviously, if the injury wasn't ever a factor and that happened, we we could believe him. I'm going to go ahead and believe him because he's just a good old country boy. I don't know why he would lie to us about that. Either you know he just couldn't do it or his arm isn't healthy, which I think a lot of people still believe is the case just because they haven't really taken any kind of deep shots. And, you know, it's it's a little – it sucks. I mean, his average yard attempt was 4.1 in this game. I mean, that's just not good, and that's not going to win you games. Uh, you know, and, and, and somewhat I think is hurting T.Y.'s value some – uh, you know, he had the five catches for 50 yards, you know, made something out of his plays. But I think with them not going that deep, it's just going to continue to hurt this offense, especially because I don't think their running game is particularly good. And speaking of the running game, I mean, literally nothing was done here. Naheem Hines had the best day with 18 yards on the five carries, which was a 3.6 average. But will and you know Jordan Wilkins six for nineteen three point two average. You know we'll see if that changes at all once Marlon Mack comes back. I've I've stated before and I still believe uh, I'm a, a very high on Jordan Wilkins and Naheem Hines. Uh, I just think this offensive line is still kind of getting into the groove here. They're not great. You know they did get. Uh, Quentin Nelson in the draft this year out of Notre Dame, who I thought was one of the better prospects altogether in the draft. So they're improving that offensive line, but it's just not up to par. I think it's it's by far a bottom-tiered offensive line at the moment, which may be why these guys are struggling to run the ball. And then the receiving game, realistically, nothing here. I mean, we talked about T.Y. Hilton and his 50 yards. Uh, Ryan Grant, 35 yards in the touchdown. Eric Ebron starting to show old Detroit Lions Eric Ebron again. And all those uh, Lions fans starting to remember exactly why they got rid of him. 11 targets and just 5 catches. 
He had multiple drops, including a touchdown drop, which probably would have ended up winning them this game. It was earlier in the game, so there's no really way to know if they would have actually won the game, but just disappointing. Uh, Obviously, Jack Doyle being out. Don't know how much longer he'll be out, so Ebron should still be the guy, but disappointing to see him do that. Uh, Carson wants his first game back here. You know, had an okay game, 255 yards uh, passing, a touchdown and an interception. Looked okay here. Uh, you know, not much is expected, at least in my opinion, of him with coming back from that ACL injury. I'd like to see how he progresses going through the week, especially once he gets his full team back, like Alshon Jeffrey. You know, we also had uh, Jay Ajayi and Darren Sproles out. Uh, the rushing game was just a mixture of everybody, which was a little disappointing. I did have Corey Clement. Uh, projected to be a top 15 guy, called it uh, in my cover four on Friday. I was wrong that he did get the bulk of the carries here with 16, six more than Wendell Smallwood, who followed him up with 10, uh, but just 56 yards. Wendell Smallwood same, 56 yards. Both looked okay, but the guy who looked really good here, in my opinion, again, I didn't get to watch all the game, uh, still kind of going through the game pass stuff, which is why I'm only going to do the early morning or early afternoon games here today, and then I'll break down the rest of them tomorrow as I want to watch the rest of the Game Pass games. Uh, Josh Adams, six carries for 30 yards. Again, five-yard five, five average. Just I thought he looked great again. And this just goes, goes back to my point, guys. This guy was uh, in the Heisman Talks with Saquon Barkley last year. I think he's extremely underrated. He, he's not going to be anything this week, this year. So if you're in a redraft league, unless Jay Ajayi is out for the year and something happens to Wendell Smallwood, you know Josh Adams is likely not going to be anybody. But in Dynasty, I'm telling you, I can see this guy being the lead of this backfield. You, we just got to give him a year or two, or likely even just a year because chances are Jay Ajayi is gone after this year. In the receiving game here, I mean, Nelson Aguilar, he, I don't want to say struggled. Four catches for just 24 yards. Uh, not quite what I was expecting. I expected him to get a lot of work. Uh, Dallas Goddard, though, called it on Friday's podcast. I felt with Jeffrey being out and then with Mike Wallace obviously being out as well, and then they cut um, uh, DeAndre Carter, that Goddard was going to get a lot of looks here. Seven targets, seven receptions, 73 yards, and a touchdown. Said it before in my Dynasty Guru pieces on rookies earlier in this offseason. I thought he's going to be the next Gronk. I thought he looked great here. Thought he would eat into Zach Ertz's red zone work, which he did. Though Zach Ertz still got 73 yards on five catches. Looked good. Other than those guys, though, nobody really here stood out. Uh, obviously, once Alshon comes back, I think this is going to be uh, interesting offense just because I don't think Nelson Aguilar plays very good on the outside and that's probably my bad on on ranking Aguilar where I did I thought that he would get a lot of targets and be kind of the go-to guy here uh, but he's just not that good of an outside wide receiver and as long as Alshon's out and Jordan Matthews is in Matthews is going to be a slot wide receiver because he can't play outside wide receiver at all so that's going to force Aguilar to go outside and as we saw in his first year with Philly and some last year before he really started breaking out on the outside Aguilar just he cannot get that separation he does not do a good job out there he is a slot wide receiver so until Jeff Jeffrey comes back. Aguilar, at least in my opinion, his value is going to shrink just a little bit because Jordan Matthews being in the slot doesn't give Aguilar a lot of chances there. Our next game up, uh, fucking hell, I just want to avoid this game altogether. 
The Buffalo Bills beating the Minnesota Vikings 27-6. And I mean, just good God. What the fuck happened? Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. Josh Allen here just, I mean, he looked good, obviously. Uh, 196 yards passing with one touchdown, but actually had 39 yards rushing and two touchdowns as well. Chris Ivory came through both in the air on the gr- and on the ground, 56 yards rushing, but 70 yards receiving. Other than those two, though, I mean, realistically, nobody did anything. Both Kelvin Benjamin, Kelvin Benjamin and Andre Holmes led this receiving core with 29 yards receiving. It was mostly just the defense, which a lot of people are saying is due to the fact that uh, Sean McDermott, the head coach, took over defensive play-calling duties from Leslie Frazier, which is why the defenses look so good. But, I mean, my goodness, on Minnesota's side of things, I mean, seriously, like, what the fuck is going on here? You know, I was a huge proponent of Kirk Cousins. Two fumbles, an interception, I mean, just fucking ridiculous. He cost, I'm sure, so many people fantasy games yesterday. And while, yes, it looks good, he ended up coming through with 15 whopping points. Well, well, that honestly is not that good for quarterbacks in this era of fantasy football now. You're looking at average quarterbacks most weeks are putting up at least 20, if not 25 points a game. So 15 points is just a crusher, especially if you're going up against someone like Matt motherfucking Ryan who puts up 40 points. But no, I'm not I'm not bitter. I promise I'm not bitter. Uh, but anyways, I mean, and, and it's ridiculous to think that he only put up 15 points. He passed the ball 55 times, had 40 completions, 296 yards, but just the one touchdown. Of course, the interception and fumbles are killer, but just ridiculous here. And again, Adam Thielen, I keep telling you guys, this is the guy. He's going to get the targets. 19 targets in this game, 14 catches, 105 yards. He's the guy Cousins is going to go to. Stephon Diggs is by far the big play guy. Don't get me wrong. Stephon Diggs is probably going to end up with more touchdowns than Thielen. But Thielen is going to get the looks every week. As I've said multiple times, I'm going to say again, if it's a PPR, you want Thielen standard. You want Diggs because he's going to put up the points. But Diggs, I mean, did nothing in this game. Just four catches for 17 yards. Kyle Rudolph had the lone touchdown here. Just 48 yards, though. I mean, just this was a realistically is a bad game. I know that... A lot of people, I'm sure, just got knocked out of their survivor pools with this one. Uh, but this is bound to happen every once in a while. I know uh, people don't really want to believe it, but this is why they play the game. You know, it's not just done on paper. Vikings were a clear favorite, and I knew it too. I, I knew it in my gut that I didn't think that the Bills would win it. Don't get me wrong. I thought it would be closer than, than a lot of people were predicting. I was not expecting, obviously, just the Bills to blow them out. It was just... Uh, I mean, realistically, that that to me was the biggest shock of the weekend, seeing that. Next up, we've got the Oakland Raiders losing to the my the surprising three and Miami Dolphins twenty to twenty eight. On Oakland's side here, you know Derek Carr just he continues to look good, but just struggles. Man, three forty five, a touchdown, and interception. You know, I don't know if it's just, in my opinion, he doesn't have anybody else. He doesn't have a whole lot of talent in this offense around him, especially in the running game. Uh, but he's just, you know, he's he's continued to be a decent but not great quarterback so far. 
Uh, Marshawn Lynch had the touchdown, 64 yards rushing. Doug Martin made an appearance here with 43 yards rushing, whatever, on the muscle hamster. Uh, Jalen Richard, 59 yards receiving again when they're in the uptick uh, in fast pace. And, you know, in moving quick down the field, Jalen Richard's going to be there as the, the hurry up back and the receiving back. Jared Cook, just 31 yards. Uh, Martavius Bryant, 30 yards. Amari Cooper, man, 17 yards on two catches again. This dude is extremely overrated. He is not a number one wide receiver. He's barely a number two wide receiver. And everybody was already quick to anoint him and crown him after his one good game. Well, guess what? Jordy Nelson did him one better by putting up 173 yards and a touchdown. So let's stop it with this Amari Cooper crap. He's a wide receiver too, if that. No, I shouldn't say if that. He's a wide receiver too. He's not a wide receiver one. But Jordy here came through. Uh, obviously, I don't expect him to have another game like this at all this year. But he's definitely a high upside wide receiver three. Uh, you know, I do think once this offense starts to kind of get going, because they do have the best offensive line or at least one of the top offensive lines in the game. I think once Carr starts to kind of get more ingrained in this new offense and everything with John Gruden, I think uh, Nelson could be a very uh, very sneaky red zone target here. Uh, on the Dolphins' side of things, I mean, Ryan Tannehill, man, is just lighting it up. The guy that nobody thinks is good but is is better than everyone thinks every week. 289 and three touchdowns. You know, also rushed the ball for 26 yards. Was actually their leading rusher. I mean, Kenyon Drake here, three yards on five carries. What the fuck is going on here? I swear Adam Gase, for as smart as he is, he's really stupid. You know, he's just... Kenyon Drake, at least in my opinion, is far superior to Frank Gore and Kalen Balazs. And why he's not getting the work, I just I don't understand. Uh, Receiving-wise here, though, Al... Bert Wilson had himself a game, 74 yards and a touchdown. Also threw for a touchdown, 50 yards. This is the first wide receiver in NFL history to have a 50-yard touchdown and a uh, throwing touchdown, passing touchdown, and over 50 yards and a touchdown in the receiving game as well. Uh, Jakeem Grant here had an okay game, 70 yards and two touchdowns. Obviously, in my opinion, not anything notable for fantasy. I don't see him doing it again. Don't see him continuing that. Uh, but Kenny Stills here just continues to to be a beast in this offense, 61 yards and a touchdown. And I think it's time for me to admit that I was wrong on Kenny Stills. I thought he'd be like a middle-tier wide receiver two, probably high-end wide receiver three. I mean, if he keeps doing this every week, he's going to finish as a high-end wide receiver two, uh, maybe even on the back end of a wide receiver one, though I doubt he gets that high up there. But uh, just he's continued to look good. If you've got him, you've got to throw him in your wide receiver two or flex spot because uh, so far he has just continued to produce all season long. But real quick again on this uh, backfield, I mean, it's. I think at this point it's going to be hard to trust Kenyon Drake. Uh, he's just not getting the work for whatever reason. I don't know if it's something that we're just not seeing in practice uh, or what is going on and why Adam Gase just does not just feed this dude the ball. Uh, I know Frank Gore is is a legend. He's, at least in my opinion, a Hall of Fame running back. Uh, you know, I think that he deserves everything that he's getting here, but just the, to continue feeding him and not playing a guy like Kenyon Drake, who I think is far superior, has far superior talent over Gore at this point in their careers is just is just outstanding to me. 
Uh, next up, another kind of surprise for me, uh, the Denver Broncos losing to Baltimore 14-27. to uh, On Denver's side of things here, I mean, Case Keenum didn't look good. 192 in an interception. Uh, Royce Freeman here scored again, 53 yards on the ground with a touchdown. Emmanuel Sanders had a 35-yard rushing touchdown, which, I mean, if you're an Emmanuel Sanders owner, you'll take because he, he also added 38 yards in the air. Philip Lindsay here, though, with the Mike Tyson punch out, uh, threw a punch, got ejected out of the game, just 20 yards on four carries. Uh, you know, he he apologized after the game, saying that that's not his character, not what he usually does. It's whatever. I mean, if you started him like I did in a couple of leagues, it just kind of sucks. Uh, but I still expect him to be used quite a lot in this backfield, uh, you know, unless he gets suspended, which I doubt happens for, for throwing one punch. Uh, Demarius Thomas here again, just 63 yards on five catches. You know, nothing nothing fantastic. Like I, I think I've said before, it really seems like Sanders and Keenum have the connection here. Uh, I think that's going to continue all year. I think Demarius is going to kind of be the odd man out. And honestly, if that continues all this year, I could see uh, Demarius Thomas honestly being gone in free, or not free agency, but gone in the offseason because the Broncos can cut him with kind of like a minimal effect on their salary. Uh, on the Ravens side of things here, Joe Flacco, 277 in touch. Uh, looked okay again. Uh, Denver's defense is pretty good, so I guess for Flacco and his owners, it was good to see him play the way that he did against a good defense. Alex Collins here gets in the end zone, finally has himself a pretty decent day with uh, 68 yards rushing, just 3.8 yards average, though. Uh, still below the, the NFL average, which is 4.0 yards a carry. Javorius Allen, though, came through with a rushing touchdown on just seven yards and also got a receiving touchdown with 19 yards added on there. Again, he's going to be the hurry-up back. Uh, definitely someone worth looking at, maybe throwing in your flex on good matchups. I don't know if I trust him completely because uh, this kind of seems like what he does every year. He has himself a couple good games and then is just completely nothing most of the other time, especially when he's in your fantasy lineups. Uh, but definitely someone to look at because for whatever reason, he seems to be getting a lot of receiving work over Alex Collins, even though Alex Collins showed last year that he could catch the ball. Uh, John Brown here yet again being the deep threat, 86 yards here, though no touchdown uh, Michael Crabtree got 10 targets, 7 receptions on 61 yards. Uh, like Crabtree here still, though uh, I don't like the fact that he's kind of getting overshadowed, I think, by John Brown a little bit. And I think that him and Willie Sneed are kind of working in the same area right there in the short intermediate stuff with John Brown going deep. And even more interesting, I wonder what's going to happen when Hayden Hurst comes back for this team. There's a chance he comes back this week. Don't think it's more likely he's back in week five. Uh, Joe Flacco has always shown that he likes to target his tight end. You know, just in this game alone, Nick Boyle, just with the one target, but Mark Andrews with three. I think Hayden Hurst has at least shown so far that he's better than both of them. I think Mark Andrews is the better prospect, but he needs to work on his blocking uh, where Hayden Hurst kind of has that down. So I'd like to see what Hurst can do in this offense. Might be worth a add in your redraft leagues uh, if you've got the extra bench, bench spot because I think he has a chance to be a top 12 tight end. And then the last game that I'm going to do for today, the Titans and the Jaguars. So the Jaguars could not defeat the Titans last year. They lost to them both times, and that trend continued this week as they lost 9-6. to six. 
Uh, Blaine Gabbert got knocked out with a concussion in this game. Marcus Mariota came in through for just 100 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. Did run it a lot, seven rushes for 51 yards. Uh, I mean, they're still saying that his elbow is messed up. Uh, you know, obviously, I would imagine if Gabbert isn't cleared out of the protocol concussion at some point in time this week, that Mariota is going to get the start again. If he can't throw the ball, I, I realistically don't know what else this offense is going to be able to do. I think this whole offense, their scheme, the coaching, and everything is hurting a lot of these playmakers. You know, Derrick Henry, 18 carries for 57 yards. Deion Lewis, 9 carries for 26. Corey Davis, uh, their best wide receiver in the game, got two receptions for 34 yards. I mean, they're just this whole offense is hurting right now with this with this play calling and and Marcus Mariota being hurt. Hopefully that changes because I know a lot of people, including myself, had high hopes for this Tennessee offense and Marcus Mariota, and it just doesn't seem like that's going to happen for them this year until his elbow gets better, which it may not get better all year long. So we'll, that'll be something we keep an eye on here. And then obviously Blakey Bortles, man, just after having two really good weeks, comes back to earth a little bit here, 155 yards in the air, 27 on the ground, no touchdowns whatsoever, obviously. TJ Yeldon and Corey Grant, who filled in for uh, Leonard Fournette, who they held out again because of the hamstring. I honestly think Fournette's probably going to be back next week. Uh, but Yeldon just 44 yards on the ground. Corey Grant just 11. Yeldon did add 46 yards in the air, though. Um, Keelan Cole was their best wide receiver. Five catches for 40 yards. Uh, he's definitely still someone I'd watch him and D.D. Westbrook, who got 31 yards on three target or three catches. Uh, I just think is a bad game all around for the Jaguars. They just seem to struggle with the Titans division opponents and everything. So I think that... Once we get, you know, going here in the next couple weeks, I think they'll return kind of back to what they did a couple weeks ago. You know, uh, Keelan Cole obviously had a great week last week, and so did uh, uh, so did uh, Dee Westbrook. And they've got the Jets next week, so uh, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. The Jets have a fairly uh, interesting looking defense, so I could see them shutting them down. But you know, not much else here to go on for the Jags. Austin Safarian Jenkins didn't do anything. So other than that, though, guys, I think that's going to do it for me today. Uh, I will break down the rest of the games tomorrow. Obviously, come back and check out Mr. John Hamler's podcast, which will come out tomorrow too, with your Hold'em and Fold'em Monday Night Football recap. And your good God, Monday Night Football. I just forgot about that. Let me finish this. And I'm going to preview Monday Night before we end it. And then, uh, obviously, he'll give you your waiver wire pickups as well. And then I'll release uh, later in the night my podcast on the rest of the afternoon games. Again, I apologize, guys, having to split it up into two. I'm sure a lot of you guys can understand. You know, I've been corresponding with a couple of listeners through email and just kind of explaining what a uh, what it's like and all this and some of the issues, I, you know, I apologize about uh, some of the stuff, sometimes the uh, background noises and everything and dealing with different stuff, you know, as I'm sure most of you guys go through here too, you know, I've got a job that requires me to work 9 to 10 hours a, a, every day, you know, most times I get home and I get just enough time to spend with my wife and kids for a little bit before they get to do stuff, which allows me to kind of run up here and and do my podcast real quick. It takes me about an hour, hour and a half, sometimes two hours. Today it's taking me about two hours to get this hour podcast out. Um, so, 
you know, it, it takes a lot to get all this stuff done. Uh, obviously, though, some of you have reached out and interested in getting into this stuff. You know, my advice to you guys, and I'm sorry for going off on this tangent here, but uh, just start writing. Find somebody who, who likes uh, or, or is interested in writers and just show them what you've got. Keep working at it. You know, keep doing you, and, and you'll get noticed, hopefully get more stuff out there. You know, this is not a... Uh, you're not going to become, you know, the Matthew Berries of the world overnight. It takes time. It takes a lot of work. You know, I've been doing this for three years now. And, you know, in my opinion, I'm nowhere near where I want to be. But I like kind of where I'm at. I, I do get paid for most of the stuff that I do. Uh, and I enjoy doing it, though. It's not all just because of the money. It's it's a labor of love. I love fantasy. I love talking fantasy. I love trying to help people out with fantasy. And so that's kind of why I do this, why I do the podcast, why I do all the writing. And in all honesty, if you are looking to try and get into this, I would suggest if you want to reach out to me on Twitter, you can also reach out uh, to Mr. Matthew Fox on Twitter. He is at Nighthawk7734. Um, you know, he's runs all of our stuff, does a great job on the FLA blog, runs all of our stuff. We're always looking for people to help out and do different stuff. And he's he's the one who, honest, in all honesty, gave me my first shot. Uh, I know gave Mr. Dennis Bennett, who's, I guess, you know, has the most followers of our group, does some radio hits in Cleveland and whatnot. Uh, he gave him his first start, who actually got started through me on the FLA blog. Uh, and, you know, he's doing a great job with the Down and Dynasty and it's stuff like that that if you want to do it and you want to put in the time and you and you really focus on it, you can kind of become somebody. You know, he's done a really good job with that. I'm hoping, you know, with this podcast and my writing, we can get the FLA side or even if if we ever finally make this into its own thing, the uh, the fantasy roundtable stuff with all the FLA guys into something bigger, which uh, it's coming, guys. I, I can't reveal anything too much yet, but it's coming. We're getting bigger, and it, it's been fun doing this. So, again, if you guys ever want, you know, I'm, I'd be happy to help anybody else out, give anybody advice. You can always reach out to me on Twitter. Again, if you're interested in contributing to the FLA blog, reach out to Matthew Fox. Reach out to Dennis Bennett at culture underscore coach he's he's also very good about giving people advice and helping people out and then again at nighthawk 7734 which is matthew fox they will they'll do everything in their power to help people out because you know you can't you can't ever have enough help and and it's always great to get different people's perspectives and thoughts on different players so real quick before i close it out my monday night football breakdown here so obviously the Steelers and the Bucks I expect it to be kind of a shootout here not even kind of I expect it to be a shootout which might means it's probably going to end up being like a 10 to 9 game or some crap like that with three field goals kicked though I hope the three field goals are kicked by Tampa Bay because I'm going against Chris Boswell and I'm down four points I need Juju to go off tonight because I need this fucking win so I do not go fucking 4 and 16 I can at least go 5 and 15 which is at least a little bit better right guys uh but for Pittsburgh side of things here you know it's it's man it's hard for me to say you know Juju has obviously been on fire the past couple weeks putting up he's already got 240 yards touchdown I just think it's going to be an A B game here. He's, you know, the complaining all week and everything. He always seems like the whenever he's a little squeaky wheel and complaining about stuff, Ben Roethlisberger t- 
targets him an unhealthy amount. I have a feeling that's the way it's going to go. I think James Conner is going to get himself some good points uh, tonight. If not all rushing, at least some in the receiving game as well. It's probably going to score a touchdown. Uh, Jesse James, I think, is going to have himself a good night as well, being Ben Bro- Ben Roth Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah, there we go, dumbass. Ben Roethlisberger's uh, kind of safety blanket there in the middle of the field. Uh, on Tampa Bay's side here, uh, I'm not expecting much of, if anything, out of Peyton Barber. I know that this Pittsburgh defense is bad. I just think Peyton Barber's a jag. I don't expect him to do much. Uh, I actually think Deshaun Jackson is going to have a good game here, though I don't expect him to go off like he has the past couple weeks. I do expect him to get probably 100 yards and a touch, but not more than 100 yards. I actually don't think Mike Evans is going to have a great game here, and I think O.J. Howard might have a good game. And then, of course, Ryan Fitzmagic. While I don't expect him to go off for like 400 yards like he has the past couple weeks, I expect him to have a pretty decent game here, 300 yards and a couple touchdowns. You know, all in all, I'm hoping for a really great game tonight. Again, I hope Juju goes off just because I'd like to win another game. Uh, But if he doesn't, you know, it is what it is. Such is the life of a fantasy football player. You're not always going to win every week. So that is going to do it for me. Oh, and I'm going to pick... As much as it hurts me to say, no, you know what? I'm not. Fuck the Steelers. I'm picking the Buccaneers to win this game. I don't know if that's really who I picked and picked skin pick them for the FLA blog, but I'm changing it now, even though it doesn't really matter. It's Buccaneers. They're going to pull off the win tonight with Juju throwing this out into the ether. Hope it happens. Over and over 100 yards and a touchdown again. Uh, so, other than that, though, guys, I will be back tomorrow breaking down the rest of the games, and I'm going to touch on some college football. Uh, previews over the or reviews over the last weekend like that fucking Oregon Stanford game oh my god if you watch that game Stanford just Stanford came back and Oregon just gave that bad boy up but Justin Herbert of the Ducks I'm telling you guys and I know you guys had to have seen it if you watched that game I've been saying it this whole time he's the number one quarterback of this class he's gonna be good and then Will Greer opened my eyes I didn't think he was gonna be that good I like what I saw out of that kid out of West Virginia but we'll talk more about that stuff tomorrow You guys have yourselves a great night. Hopefully, if your matchups depend on Monday night tonight, whatever you guys need happens for you, unless it's you need Juju not to score many points, in which case I hope you're wrong because I need it, and that's what I'm all about right now is me getting those dubs. Uh, But in all seriousness, hope you guys enjoy Monday night's game tonight. Good luck to everybody tonight. I will talk to you guys again tomorrow. Check out John's podcast tomorrow as well. Peace out, guys. Thank you again for listening to the Fantasy Roundtable podcast. Check us out on Twitter, FLA blog on Medium, and come back tomorrow for a brand new episode. Have a great day, guys.